last year. We saw the Titans lose in week one against the Giants last year because they had a mediocre at best kicker in the lineup and he misses from that money range. Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast for Wednesday, August the 23rd. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, how are you? Happy Tuesday as we were recording this live on Tuesday afternoon. Happy Tuesday. Um, I'm doing good, although um, definitely... Uh, do not envy you being out there at the at practice today for the Titans game because oh yeah it, it is blistering hot and I, I went outside like once today to like just throw out the trash and I I immediately ran back inside cannot do it not Let me not put my suburban dad hat on real quick and say it's not the heat that gets you it's the humidity mm, um, it is it is unfortunately a ridiculous combination of both here in Nashville right now and. You knew it was coming after we got that very, very brief version of False Fall last week. We had like a 54-hour period of really gorgeous weather that always comes around the end of August here in Nashville. You always get – sometimes it's a week. Sometimes it's just a couple of days like we had this year. And uh, you always know it. it, you, you pay for it in the long run. It is a credit card, and the bill does come due, and we are paying it in full. I saw uh, Robertson County Schools – here in Middle Tennessee, are uh, closing school early for the rest of the week due to heat, which is a very southern thing to see come across your news timeline on your phone. Um, but yeah, it's not football weather out there right now, um, and it certainly wasn't a ton of fun. We we prioritized the shade out there. I'll tell you that that um, we as the as the sun moved across the sky and the the Titans headquarters building cast a different shadow. All of us in the reporting pool were just kind of like sheep in a herd following that shadow across the sideline from i can imagine yeah but uh welcome in everybody um appreciate those of uh, those of you joining us live got a a couple of really good things to get into today i'm particularly um i wouldn't say excited for but passionate about what i'm going to talk about in the warm-up and i'm guessing any of you that follow the show have an idea as to what it might be pretty boy lipschitz already on to me in the comments Jake, all the way from the UK, joining us. Uh, evening for him. Good evening to you, sir. Um, Wyatt says, rest in peace to the Wolfpack from OKC Titan. Yeah, we're going to get into that in just a second. Um, before we do, if you're with us live, do me a huge personal favor really quick. Two things, super easy. One, if you can like, retweet, uh, share this live video wherever you're watching, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or YouTube, whatever you can do to help us get more eyeballs on this video, on this live show, the better, and that's super helpful to us to get as many folks in here as possible before we are done with the live version of the show. So do that for me real quick, and I would appreciate it. And then if you are watching us live and you're not on the YouTube um, channel, you should head on over to the Broadway Sports Media's YouTube account. That's Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. You'll find this live stream, and you'll want to watch there instead of on Twitter or on Facebook because that's where you can be a part of the conversation in the comments section of this live show on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Um, One quick announcement. For the show, before we dive into the Titans and NFL content for the day, JT, what would we be? Would would we be able to really call ourselves a football program, a football show, without doing a show fantasy league? I think not. I think we are obligated 
to do so. And so that's what we are going to do. We're going to have a hot read podcast fantasy football league this season, unless nobody wants to do it. Um, that, you know, maybe just nobody's interested in, listen, I get it. Everyone's got their home league. Everyone's got their league with their boys. Um, many, many different shows that you consume do a fantasy league. So if nobody wants in no harm, no foul, but we'd love to do one if folks are interested and we would love to have that community element for those of you diehards that listen to the show, limited spots, obviously. So if you're interested let us know ASAP. Let us know right now in the comments of this live stream. And if you if you are lickety split on top of this announcement, you're going to be prioritized to, to get a spot in the league for sure. Or if you're listening uh, post the live show, don't assume the spots are full. Still shoot us a uh, a DM on Twitter at Easton Freeze at JT underscore Runky. DM the show at Hot Read Pod. Um, let us know whether you are interested or not this week. And we're going to get that organized. There will be a buy-in. Nothing crazy. We're, you know, maybe like 25, 50 bucks. We'll discuss it as the league once we set the group. But we would love to have a, a show fantasy league. And I see that Joey Turner, Wyatt, and Jake all in the comments are in. Love that. The three of you absolutely at the top of the list as we consider putting. We'll probably do a 10 or a 12 teamer depending on how many people want to join. But um, we would love to do that. So if you're interested, let us know. Um, however you can reach us we've, we've made that clear it's easy to reach us yeah, just definitely send a dm still even if you do comment here send a dm so that yeah. when we, um, on the dm yeah <clears throat> when we put this yeah. in here um but to your point Easton, i don't think people uh won't want to do it i think if they end up choosing not to have interest it will be because they are scared to compete with with a guy scared like myself compete. we're big on fantasy. competing on this show you've got to compete in, in, Compete. I'm just saying it, it'll be very interesting as a guy who is doing yeah. so many fantasy football drafts this season. I'm excited to do it um, and see if you guys can uh, take me on this season. I'm super excited. Yeah. I mean, to, to go back to our uh, idioms discussion the other day, can't never could don't be a can't. Okay. Be a, be a could. I need, I need you guys in on this and I need you to compete in the hot read podcast and listen, you know, the winner, we haven't really gotten down that road far enough to decide what the winner gets besides the, the, the cash reward, obviously the, the cash uh, prize, the pool, but I'd say there's a pretty decent chance. The winner would uh, have an opportunity to join the show with us live for, for something. I have no idea what, but you're going to be getting some hot read podcast perks. So if you are a diehard listener of the show, that is certainly something that you would want to be involved in. Okay. Let's get into the show today. Let me start with the warm up. The Titans continue to be a failure at the kicking position, and it is largely their own fault. And let's discuss why. So the Titans news this morning broke right as training camp was about to begin. The Titans uh, decided to I almost said wove. That's not a word. They waived Caleb Shudak and Trey Wolf. They're two young kickers um, at the beginning of the day. They kicked them to the curb. Something that was really, really surprising to me. Hey, I mean, like I got it where Easton was wrong. Hand up on this one. I have been telling people that were concerned about the kicking competition, that the kicker is on your roster already and you're in good hands. I still it's I, I stand by that they would have. I, I still think that they've made the wrong decision. Truly, I do. Um, I understand in, in the last 10 ish days, the the prospects of the two kickers seemed to the vibes were, were diminishing. They were dropping. Like it was, it was starting. It was the first time really since the spring that I was starting to think maybe, maybe this is a bad take. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but there's certainly some revisionist history going on right now. JT, 
Um, I've seen people online talk about how it sounded like these two, you know, it just it, from practice, the things that I was hearing reported, they were very inconsistent and they just, they weren't cutting it. I, that's anyone that is saying that is, is making up what happened or misremembering what happened. It is revisionist history. I had been report. I have been reporting. We've been talking about on the show for like a month now about how every single day the kicking competition was infuriating because nobody would miss. That's been, that's been the theme. Each of these guys would get 10 to 12 kicks every day at practice. And every single day they would either be perfect or miss one kick. Thinking back on it today, I think there may have been one practice for each guy in which they missed more than one kick out of a sample size of 10 or 12. So perfect every single day. No, but they made far, 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 far more kicks than they missed. These were guys that were very consistent from short range and largely from long range, including 50 plus yard field goals, which is something the Titans haven't had in a good long while. The timing of this decision from a front office perspective makes some sense. If you weren't satisfied, clearly they weren't satisfied with those two guys. They, they, they were not happy with what they had in those two. And there were some things that they did in the preseason game. And I, I have a hard time faulting them because frankly, the Titans two preseason games they've played so far have not lent themselves to a kicking competition in any way that, that gives you an idea of who was leading that competition, right? Each guy got one extra point attempt and one field goal attempt in the first game. Collectively, they hit three of four. The, the one that they missed was from 49 yards and it was a, 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 a very uh, slight miss. And, and then in game two, you had one field goal, I think, from like 22 yards for Trey Wolf, if I'm not mistaken, but but really nothing, right? And so we didn't get to see a lot from them. Now, there were some things like Caleb Shudak kicking a, 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 a kickoff out of bounds in the first preseason game. Certainly a big, big no-no. We talked about that at the time. Um, Trey Wolf do doinking an extra point attempt in, in the second game. Certainly not something that you, you, you need your extra point attempts to be lock, locked in. They need to be solid. Um, but this, this timing of letting them go, whether it was the right decision or not aside makes sense because you've got one preseason game left. You bring in a guy in Michael Badgley, who we'll talk about in just a second. Then the newest Michael Badgley, the newest kicker for the Tennessee Titans. hot read podcast legend. Michael yeah, Badgley. Yeah. 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 If you know, you know, on Michael Badgley, um, but, but he comes in and he's going to have this week of practice under, I, I'm a, assuming some serious pressure to, to perform and then some serious pressure to perform in the preseason game. And JT just, you know, naturally now the Titans will attempt five field goals in the third game, just, just because of course they will. Right. Um, we'll finally get what we were asking for, for the first uh, two games for the, the two guys that they had. But after this week, there's, there's, you know, going to be the roster cut down coming up next Monday. We're a week away from that 53 man roster cut down from 90 to 53. So there's going to be a lot of players out there. And there are, and I've not had time to, to do the research on this, but I'm confident that there are a number of camps out there in the league with two kickers, one of which will be released. And, and there'll be, there'll be some guys out there on the market for the Titans to consider if, and when Michael Badgley is not the answer. Um, now on Michael Badgley, let's talk about him. The, it, oh, and by the way, with, I, I, with Trey Wolf and Caleb Shudak, I would in a heartbeat add Trey Wolf to the Titans practice squad. He is a guy that, as we've talked about since the spring, has every tool in the toolbox imaginable to be a career NFL kicker, to be a 10-year starter for a team and be very, very solid. He just it simply was too raw for the coaching staff's 
um, choosing to, to begin here as a, as a UDFA rookie. And I think that he's going to develop wherever he ends up into a fine NFL kicker. I hope that the Titans see that potential in him and choose to groom him by adding him to their practice squad. They absolutely should. They should do it as soon as humanly possible. However, they have Michael Badgley now, and he is a guy that has been on. This is his fourth team now in the last 12 months. He started last season with the Chicago Bears and then ended up on the Detroit Lions, where he spent most of the season. Um, certainly most of his production with, was with the Lions. The Lions then cut him, I believe, um, in the offseason, then re-signed him for a second in the offseason and then cut him again. And then he was with the commanders for a lot of training camp before being cut in the past couple weeks. And now he lands with the Titans again, his fourth team in the last 12 months. But last year for the Lions, he was 24 of 28 on his field goal attempts. He made two of three from 50 plus, which sounds like, oh, yeah, he can kick for it. If you only attempted three field goals from 50 plus yards, that is that is a kicker that a team doesn't want kicking from 50 plus yards. Same deal with Randy Bullock, right? It's like, well, he's not missing a ton from 50. Yeah, boss, because he's not trying any from beyond 50 because the team won't let him. Um, so certainly not a guy that has a, a monster leg that is trustworthy from range. He went 33 for 33 for, for his extra point attempts last year, which you, know, you got to have. That, that's, a, that's a positive mark in his ledger. But his first day today with the Titans as a kicker wasn't great. JT was not great. He had four misses all. on yep. the day, which by my tally is at least twice as many misses in one day as either of the other two guys had for the past month. He, he was good from 29, 40, 47, 33, 38, 33, 33. So uh, one, one kick over 40 yards in his first uh, kicking session today. Um, and the, the rest from pretty short 40 or in, he was no good from 33. I believe it was his first kick of the day. Um, then 43 and 48, all of them wide, right? And then later on in the day, he, to his credit, I think he had four or five more attempts after this first session where he kicked over and over and over. I think he made three or four of them, but he was no good from 44 later on. So four misses today from 33, 43, 44 and 48. Mike Vrabel was asked about why the Titans added Michael Badgley in his press conference after camp. And he said, quote, we've had Michael here before he gets the next crack at it, which certainly came off as a ringing endorsement, JT, uh, in a moment where the head coach is essentially saying that their new kicker is basically just a warm body with a leg. Like he's a he's a guy. He plays kicker. He's got a leg on him. You know, like, OK, that's 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 the best you can do to, to hype up your new guy. Choosing Michael Badgley over the young guys, and this is the, the crux of my point here, for this team to make that choice conveys at best their, their acceptance of, and at worst, an active desire to just be fine at kicker. Just be fine. Just be okay. You know, not even a, not a position we want to really emphasize or put any resources into. We just want, and it doesn't even have to be perfect. Uh, you know, like we doesn't have to be that great. We just need a guy that, um, can hang on to a roster spot by the skin of his teeth. We, we need a, we need a real Randy Bullock back here because that's where they're at now. JT, they are they are going back to more of the same this season. I think from the past couple seasons, right? Frustration and fear and mediocrity at best when it comes to when the kicker has to run out there to try to get you three points. And that's something the Titans shouldn't be okay with. Stop accepting that 
It's really, really frustrating. And for all of the good things that this front office and, and coaching staff does and has done, Mike Vrabel and his special teams coordinator, Craig Ackerman, which now it's like, well, you, you cut the two kickers. You got to trust Craig Ackerman. His stellar track record indicates that he's such a good special teams coach that you got to trust him. He knows what he's doing at the kicker position. He doesn't know what he's doing in general, really. Like he's continued year in and year out to be the weak link of the Titans coaching staff in the sense that he's been given resources over and over and over and over for special teams. Every single year, JT, we talk about in the offseason where well, the Titans add so-and-so from the Dallas Cowboys. You know, he's going to be a depth linebacker or a depth tight end, but he's a he's a special teams ace. He's going to be a stud. He'll play some cornerback, but he's going to be an incredible gunner for their special teams and the special teams every year outside of lucking into Ryan Stonehouse, a really great punter, and having Morgan Cox, a really great long snapper, continuing to have a revolving door of mediocrity at best and disasters at worst at the kicking position he's been a bunch of blah it's been a bunch of nothing their special teams continues to be mediocre at best and actively bad at worst and that shouldn't be acceptable and for a guy like mike vrabel who seemingly isn't he's, he's got a short fuse when it comes to accepting mediocrity in most all elements of what he does he continues to in a very befuddling way, be all right with mediocrity in his special teams coaching staff and in his special teams players and performance. And Badgley at a key special teams position is just another example of the Titans being okay with just fine, not being willing to push the envelope, not being willing to demand a kicker who can push the boundaries and be an active weapon for them. Like we talked to the Titans coaching staff earlier this this uh, summer. And 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 he talks about, special teams coordinator Craig Ackerman talks about how, yeah, having a guy that can kick from range is nice. Like 50 plus, that's a, it's an added bonus. He talked about it like it was a party favor. Like, sure, like I'll take it. Like it's, I'm not going to say no. But for him, really, it's, it's about that money range. He's like, you know, from 43 to 49. That's, we want a guy that's money from there. That's our money zone. It's all about the money zone. And while on the surface, I guess you can't disagree that like, yes, most crucial kicks are going to come from that area. And so like, I get it. You need a guy that's good from there in the, the modern NFL. Why is that your bar? Why are you accepting? Well, if he's good enough in that money zone, then we're going to we then we're a okay. Then we're good. We're good to go. We don't need to worry about that position anymore. Demand better, better exists. You have to be willing to put any amount of resources into the position, which the Titans continue to refuse to do. You have to be willing to, to stick with a guy like a Trey Wolf, who again, they should add to the practice squad because he's the kind of guy that if he develops, he's got that X factor potential. He's got that higher ceiling that you're looking for. A guy like Matt Michael Badgley does not come close to offering. Yes, is there some inconsistency and concern about his ability from that money zone or from shorter range, his consistency with those easier kicks, with operational things like keeping keeping a, a kickoff in bounds. Sure. Yes, there is some greenness. There's some rawness to that element of his game because he is green because he is raw. But you got to stick with a guy like that and try to develop him, bring him along or else you're never going to have any better than again, mediocre at best. And that's what Michael Badgley is. And that's what the Titans continue to accept on special teams and at the kicker position. And it, as, as fans, you, you should not find that acceptable. It's really, really pathetic.
All right. Moving on. That's the most frustrated I've been on this show, maybe you know, all summer, JT. Um, but it's it's a topic that demands frustration. Before we move on, I was not even a little bit paying attention to the comments. Did we? Ha- I know we had a lot of action over here. Was there anything of note that we need to address? We did. Uh, Joey Turner comments for a team so built on winning by thin margins with defense in the run game. They sure yes, seem to Joey. be absolutely careless about special teams, which so commonly loses those kind of games. And to point and to that point, point it's like we, we've heard this entire offseason, like Mike Vrabel in almost every single press conference just hammers home the importance of special teams in like it's like it's almost like act like it. Don't literally quit like, saying it because you're not it's, asking. Like it. It's not. It's not showing up in in the on the field. Like the the importance that he is stating is nowhere to be found. And I don't know if that's something because simply he's just letting Craig Ackerman kind of do his thing, uh, holding him to an expectation that he just currently cannot and frankly will not reach. Um, but yeah, I especially for Michael Badgley. Um, I mean. He is never he's never um, attempted more than in his four or five year career. He's attempted 17 field goals over those five years from 50 plus and has only yeah. made seven of them. So yeah. like it it's it's not not a factor from there. And, and no. teams won't let him kick from there because they know that they're not. dumb. Yeah. And then Jake said, uh, wouldn't be surprised if they grab uh, hot rod Rodrigo Blankenship. Uh, no guy. Jake, who is, if you're saying you won't be surprised um, if they do fine. But should they No. there's a reason that he's been cut over and over and over since he's come into the league. Very, very good college kicker. But but sustained that injury in Indianapolis and uh, has has. I mean, he just got cut, cut from the Bucks, a team that is actively horrendous. But you're we, totally you should, right. Like, you shouldn't we, want that guy on your team. We, we are definitely going to see like five field goal attempts this week, and Michael Badgley is going to like miss like two of them. And like, uh, it's just like, I, I'm I'm with you right now that clearly this the scouting of this team has their eye on maybe a couple guys on other teams right now who most likely will lose their kicking battle that they. They, they might be a, a, a little bit younger that they like over Trey Wolf and Caleb Shudak, but I, I'm with you that I think Trey Wolf is a guy that they could continue to keep on the practice squad and can, could develop. They should, they should, and I I want to I want to just one one last time harp on the point that Joey Turner made in the comments. Fantastic point. This is a team that since Mike Ribble has been the head coach, not only re, you know relies upon winning games by thin margins, but it's not it's not like that's the best they can do. Mike Rabel's style of coaching, the style of game that he wants every Sunday, it's intentionally going for games like that. He is a drag you into the mud, drag you to hell coach that wants to make the game tough and physical and as ugly as humanly possible and win a war of attrition. He wants to he wants to outlast you more than he wants to beat you into the ground. Maybe he would say differently, but his again, his actions dictate differently. This is a team that, that that every year, year in and year out, is in those close games. But it's not because necessarily they're super well matched with their team. We we we've talked forever, JT, about how this Titans team really they tend to play down to worse competition and play up to better competition. Yeah, because they approach every opponent the same way. We're gonna make it ugly. We're gonna make it muddy, and we're going to win a war of attrition. We don't want to have this beautiful finesse beat you by four score game where we just we just out we it, it turn it into a sprint 
turn it in. We want it, We want to make it a marathon. We want to make it ugly and gritty. And that's a fine way to play. But that's the kind of play where like New England has been this way for a long, long time. What has Bill Belichick, the Bill Belichick teams always generally been really, really solid and polished on special teams. That's a require. It's a requirement of this style of play. And, and the Titans, as long as they continue to act with it, they're acting. Uh, Joe, you make a great point. It does. It's not in line with the kind of games that they play. And so they're, they're going to continue to shoot themselves in the foot. And a guy like Michael Badgley is absolutely somebody that could easily lose you one or two games this year. We saw the Titans lose in week one against the giants last year because they had a mediocre at best kicker in the lineup and he misses from that money range in the mid forties um, on a game winning field goal attempt. So it's, it's really, really stupid. All right. Let's talk about training camp today. Not a whole lot to dive into JT, but some notes on some guys that I wanted to bring up before we get to the news and before we get out of here. So if you wouldn't mind, let's go through some of the topics from today's training camp practice. Yeah, we can start off with the guys that you did not see out there um, today who was not present at practice today. So we didn't see any Hassan Haskins or Jonathan Ward, uh, both running backs. We haven't seen in a well since the first preseason game in Chicago. Kyle Pecco, newly added defensive lineman, was not there today. Monty Rice still out, the, uh, the middle linebacker. And Kiaris Jackson, who also had a knee issue uh, alongside Kyle Phillips in Minnesota. Phillips, we have some more information on, which we'll talk about in the news. But with um, Kiaris Jackson, we have not been given any update on his knee, which I kind of think may be a good thing, um, considering we got a an actual diagnosis and a timeline for Phillips, but haven't with Jackson. Typically, when we don't find out something about a guy like that, it's not that way every time. Sometimes it just is, is a late developing thing. But typically, that means that they're working through it and he's going to be back sooner than later. And it's certainly for him, a young UDFA who is, I think, still actively fighting to be on this roster. It actually has a chance that is he needs to miss as little time as possible. So we'll continue to keep an eye out for him. Yeah. And then we can move on to, uh, the actual practice today, which was a inter-squad scrimmage today in which the, the uh, Titans coach T and stretch got to draft their teams uh, today. And they kind of went out and played a blue versus white uh, kind of inter-squad scrimmage today. How was that? Yeah, it was cool. Very cool concept today. Uh, Mike Vrabel idea in lieu of the joint practices they had scheduled with the, with the Patriots this week, they would have been doing those today and tomorrow. Um, obviously not getting to do that. So the Titans decided today they would do an inner squad scrimmage. Like you said, a blue versus white game, uh, coach T and, uh, coach stretch got to have a draft in Mike Vrabel's office, apparently of not just the players, but their coaching personnel and their strength and conditioning personnel. So the whole team, the whole payroll got split down the middle and uh, I, I was begging uh, our buddy Jim Wyatt, the Titans writer. I'm like, Jim, I need you to get a hold of the, the transcript from that draft meeting. I need to know the order. I need you to link that in the mailbag or just send it to me on the low. I'll, I'll say I got it from an anonymous source. Like we, The people need to know what the draft order was because that would be a very funny and interesting thing to dive into. But yeah, the, the teams were split up. Um, no, Will Levis today still has that, uh, nagging lower body injury. He was out there all day, uh, without pads on clipboard. Jesus ended up on the sidelines, taking notes, paying attention, um, being involved as best he can. But the two teams were quarterbacked by Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis. And it was pretty evenly matched. I think that keeping score in, in these, in these practices is kind of like, 
the coaches clearly have a system for it that I'm not like totally sure how they do the math on it. Cause it's all mostly football, but not, not quite, you know, like um, you can't, you know, you're tackled, not tackling the running back, all of those things. So I think Vrabel said in his press conference near the end, it was like 33 to 36 on the day. So very tightly matched. Ultimately, I think the white team won, which had Ryan Tannehill and DeAndre Hopkins um, on the offense, which is a pretty good, pretty good combination of guys. And we'll talk more about um, their connection in a minute. But it was it was a cool concept that I think they should do more of because it it brought a level of competition, a little a level of intensity to the players. Like they're always intense, they're always competing in practice. But you could tell they were really having fun with it today, so it was cool to see. Yeah, and then we can talk about. Um... Chigakonkwo, who made a spectacular catch today. How did he look out there after his uh, less than ideal performance in Minnesota? Yeah, he didn't forget how to catch in Minnesota. Uh, people may have been concerned about that. It's not the case. He had a fantastic one-handed catch, a ball that was off the mark early in practice. He reels it in and you're like, there it is. There's that guy making up for a couple of uh, a couple of unforced errors up in Minnesota in that preseason game. He then went inside early. Um, from what I saw about midway through the practice, he was on the sideline with a trainer trying out different stretching techniques to try to loosen up his right leg. Not sure what part of it, but it was clearly he was trying to target that right leg and get it loose. He wasn't walking with like a limp or anything or anything. And I'm not going to get into the details of the injury. I just I'm telling you what I saw. Um, it, he looked he looked fine. He looked like a, a guy that who's my best guess. His leg probably tightened up a little bit or got got a little bit tweaked somewhere. And they just decided to shut it down for the day out of out of caution um, is my best guess. Gun could be wrong, but it, nothing from what I saw indicated he's uh, and people you know freak out because the Titans' skill players are starting to drop like flies. I don't I don't think that he's going to be uh, out, out of the picture really at all, and if if at all, very very long. Uh, we'll see tomorrow if he's there at practice. We'll see Friday if he's suiting up and playing any in the preseason game, but. I'm not worried about him, even though he did leave with an injury early in practice today. Yeah, and then you kind of touched on it a little bit, and Pretty Boy Lipschitz also touches on it. Our team depth is atrocious. What do we have? Like five active receivers total <laughs> on this team. Uh, he's right. They're dropping like flies, but for one DeAndre Hopkins, it's looking really good out there. Yeah, well, one DeAndre Hopkins and one Ryan Tannehill, that connection continues to flourish. And it's it's something that we haven't talked to. You'd expect us to talk more about, frankly, but this team is unique in the sense that they have really tasty preseason narratives in their two young rookie quarterbacks and in a lot of developing receivers and skill position players down the depth chart. At the top, though, is Ryan Tannehill and DeAndre Hopkins. And the two of them continue. Maybe this is like the, um, the blood pact, the blood oath, the the deal with the devil, the Titans front office made is like, you can have a healthy Deandre Hopkins, but it's going to cost you everything. It's going to, it's going to take the rest of your skill players. Uh, I certainly hope not, but frankly, at least having Deandre Hopkins, regardless of the rest of the circumstances out there, if you've got a healthy Ryan Tannehill, a healthy Deandre Hopkins and a healthy Derrick Henry, you're not cooking with gas necessarily because the, you may have nothing around them and it may really, the, the burden on their shoulders is heavy, but you're not, you're not, up a creek without a paddle like you're you're gonna be fine um and and deandre hopkins is a possession receiver a volume receiver rather not a possession receiver a volume receiver um that his game demands what you're gonna need to do in a pinch which is force feed him um he's perfectly capable and i'm sure very happy to be force fed and it looks like in those first couple games at least of the season 
that may have to be the case because of the personnel available the Titans have. They're, you know, they're facing down and people. I, I, I worded it like this on Twitter um, when we found out about the Kyle Phillips news that we may be facing um, down a, a early season start for the Titans without two of their top three most talented receivers. Um, if Traylon Brooks and Kyle Phillips aren't back immediately. People took that as me. Like, are they like, you're like, are you reporting that Kyle Phillips and Traylon Burks won't play? No, 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 no. I'm just saying that due to their injuries and, and their timelines, it wouldn't shock me at all. In fact, I'd probably lean towards most likely neither of them is available for game one in New Orleans and maybe not in game two, the home opener against the Chargers. Like, I think that's very squarely on the table and needs to be a, a situation that people are um, aware of and prepared for. But again, having DeAndre Hopkins and Ryan Tannehill, who unlike Julio Jones, where in that season, in this part of the season, part of the year, we were talking a lot about how, like, you know, even a stud receiver like Julio Jones, a future Hall of Famer, you bring him in with a new quarterback, any new quarterback, no matter how talented they are, you've got to develop chemistry. Like, that's a big thing. And he didn't practice much at all in August when he was here in 2021. Well, DeAndre Hopkins has been the polar opposite of Julio Jones so far. He's been the polar opposite, frankly. Of, of a bit of the reputation that preceded him. Like, oh, DeAndre Hopkins doesn't like to practice. It's people in Houston said it. People in Arizona said it. Like, have fun never seeing the guy practice. The guy's done nothing but practice since being here in Tennessee. Again, not going to jinx it, but that's just a fact. He has been available, and not just available, but willing to not get that vet status, that vet treatment, and, you know, like, I'm going to practice a little bit here and there. No, he's out there grinding. And I think that he knows as well as Ryan Tannehill knows, as well as we all know, that that, chemistry that relationship between the two of them them being on the same page is super super vital and it's made even more vital by the fact that they're probably going to need a lot of him early on yeah and then someone we also got to talk to today in harold landry had some pretty interesting things to say uh pertaining to an update on his health and how he is looking to go into the season what did you hear from him yeah, I believe this is the first time all August we got him at the podium talking to Titans edge rusher Harold Landry. He is, of course, coming back from that torn ACL, which is at uh, around this time last year. He tore it in training camp. And uh, today we spoke to him about that injury, just how he's coming along. And he said, this is the, the quote that stuck with me from the interview. I'll be honest, I don't really think about my knee at all anymore, which is a good thing because we talk all the time about with ACLs, there's a physical element of being back, but then there's sometimes even more important, sometimes even more detrimental, a, a mental element of coming back, being willing to, able to trust that 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 healed part of your body, trust that knee in his case, um, not try to compensate with your other leg and risk a compensation injury, not sacrificing your bend or your burst or your um, your explosiveness coming around the edge which puts a lot of torque and pressure on those on those knees, some unnatural torque. Um, the kind of thing that when you have an ACL injury, it can be probably scary to get back to doing. But he seemed very, I mean, the way he spoke at least, and from what we've seen on the field and from what his coaches have said, it's all lining up to indicate that he really is, he, he's back 100%. Um, and whether or not there's some rust involved or maybe some speed deficiency that he has to work his way back up to in the beginning of the season, I still think that's firmly on the table and obviously yet to be seen, but I'm at the point now where I'm starting to trend positively on him and in, in my perception of what he'll be early. I, I said, I, I kind of tempered expectations in the summer with Harold Landry talking about, don't be surprised if he takes a month or two to get up to speed. I, I'm still there. Don't be surprised if it happens, but I certainly won't be surprised if he comes out of the gate kind of raring to go, which is a very good thing for a ferocious Titans front. 
Yeah, and then finally, we're talking about him again for the second straight show, Thomas Otakoya. Um, Vrabel, Mike Vrabel talked about him um, a lot uh, in his press conference today, and I don't think I've ever seen Mike Vrabel like, back a guy more than he did Thomas Otakoya today. Yeah. Yeah, no, very. I mean, he's been very complimentary of Otakoya for, I think, three straight press conferences now. He was asked about him today, continuing to hear nothing but glowing things about Otakoya, both on and off the uh, record. I, I heard some things from the Titans production meeting for the second preseason game today that I can't repeat. But Mike Vrabel is it's not a ruse. He's very fond of to- Thomas Otakoya. This team is very fond of Thomas Otakoya, as they should, because he's a player that has come along really 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 well he was one of the offseason award winners for the for the titans and he's a guy that again he's the international player from last year that was that was given to the titans not added and and teron davenport asked a question today about adding um adding him last year and mike Gribble was quick quick to point out like we did not go get him we lucked out he said we absolutely absolutely lucked out because there is not a better human being Nobody better that cares more about his team. That's the kind of thing that you rarely hear Mike Rimmel talk about with any player, especially a young player like Thomas Odekoya. But again, an international player, the Titans were literally handed by the league last year with an exempt exemption status to stay on the roster to develop him. He and his family are from the Netherlands. He he, he grew up, he is, he's a, a, a Dutch player who came over and played uh, college ball, I think at Eastern Michigan. And um, I heard our buddy Justin Mello on his podcast, the Music City Audible, earlier this week talking about an interview he did with Otakoya's college coach back in uh, 2022, last year, when the Titans added him and he was kind of a, you know, like nobody really cared about him because they knew it was a, a, a developmental player. And, and his college coach said something along the lines of, you know, a lot of college programs, they, they build statues of like, all-time team players, Heisman winners, Heisman candidates, um, legends of their school out front. They build statues for those guys. He said, if I could convince our school to build a statue of Thomas Otakoya, I would. I That's how much I love this guy. That's how much this guy loves ball. And um, he's one of those guys that sometimes coaches have to convince him not to do as much in the passing game, or excuse me, convince him not to do as much in the blocking game and to ele- – work on his his passing game more like this guy truly I think likes to block more than he does to run routes and, and that's something that you know he he's he's got still some things like his hips aren't the fastest his feet aren't the fastest but if he if he gets you square and multiple people have talked about this on the team they think he's the strongest person on the entire team if he gets you square you're done you're dead to rights it's over you're rep you're, you just should give up on the play because you're not going to be a factor he is fantastic at moving another man from point A to point B against his will. And that's the kind of thing that the Titans and their running backs and their their running game that they want to lean on really heavily are going to really value this season. Um, and that's why he's making this roster. Like We'll talk more about, we're going to do a, our final roster projections on uh, the next show on Thursday and Friday. But he's absolutely making this roster. I see no universe at this point in which he is not on this team. Yeah, and that's right. going to do it for your training camp. Yeah, that, sorry, yeah. I uh, I forgot that's the last thing I had to say. So, yeah, <laughs> that's all we had today from training camp. Um, so let's get to the news with producer JT. 
Yeah, and we'll start off with, we've teased you all enough with Kyle Phillips. Most of you probably are already aware of the situation, but uh, we have learned out that yesterday Kyle Phillips um, was diagnosed with a MCL injury. Of course, that came on the first punt return, uh, or one of the punt returns in the first quarter of the game against Minnesota. So he exited after that, and the timetable for this injury um, is in the range of six weeks. So, of course not going to have him for the first uh, first couple of games, maybe by week four, week five, maybe we start to get to see Kyle Phillips, but ultimately still just like kind of frustrating with Kyle Phillips. Yeah. Very, very frustrating and frustrating for him. Right. Cause I mean, like it, it's easy to be like, it's easy to like hate a player because like, they just never stay healthy. You, it's, it's hard, but you got to continue to keep that mindset of, you know, it's, it's frustrating. Yes. But, players don't choose to get injured. Like there's nothing you can do about it. So be mad for them. Be mad about the situation for sure. Don't be mad at them. They're not choosing to be injured unless they do something dumb to get injured. And, and frankly, one could argue that him returning punts in the preseason or at all is dumb. But again, that's not his decision. He's doing what the coaches are telling him to do. I think that was a risk that far, the the rewards of which far outweighed or the, the risks of which far outweighed the rewards rather. And it was a poor decision, but yeah, really frustrating for him. I'm getting sick and tired of having to explain to people that, yes, this guy is clearly the third most talented receiver on this roster. I've seen it. And I get it for the fans. Like all you've seen of him is the cup of coffee that he had last year. And you had one really nice game against the giants in week one, and then a couple injure injury depleted performances in two or three other games after that. And then shut down for the year. You've seen him in preseason last year. You've seen him like, for 10 seconds in preseason this year. But beyond that, you've not seen it at all. And so I'm sure that the faith that you have in us as beat writers, as reporters that are there telling you about it from practice is waning and for good reason. But I I don't know what to tell you. He is clearly the third best receiver on this team. Now, everyone, always the age-old adage, availability is your best ability, right? That's the greatest ability. If, you, if you're factoring in everything about him as a player, including his availability, that becomes a massive concern, right? So you could argue, like, ultimately, if he's a guy, and we don't know yet. Again, it's still very early in his career. He's not even into his second season yet. But if he turns out to be a player that just could never stay on the field, then ultimately that makes him not a, a great player by, by no fault of his own. But that's just the way the cookie crumbles. We'll see. Uh, there's certainly a, a reality in which he misses three or four weeks this year and then plays 13 games, 14 games after that, and is fine. Obviously, Titans fans and the team hope that's the case, but right now, man, it's frustrating. Yeah, moving on here, just to address uh, this kind of news, this horrible news, um, heartbreaking news that was dropped earlier uh, today that the father of Titans cornerback Caleb Farley passed away in an overnight house explosion. Some of the details on house that explosion. I mean, just- um, unthinkable and i have you seen the the uh the footage of this you seen the pictures yes it's just it looks like a tornado hit one house yeah it's just it's not there anymore i i can't imagine um first responders arrived at the house a few minutes after midnight on tuesday night the house is on a large plot of land about 28 miles north of charlotte property records listed uh caleb farley as the homeowner but he was not there at the time of the explosion um, and then Titans coach Mike Vrabel gathered the players in practice after practice uh, today, Tuesday afternoon, Vrabel informed them of what happened. And then they took a knee to pray for Farley. Um, 
Vrabel had a comment saying what's most important is that we do everything we can to support him emotionally. It's shocking. We've got to focus on Caleb and his family and how we can support him. So, um, yeah, just an awful situation. Yeah. I mean, what do you say? Right. It's for a guy like Caleb who has, you know, he's been not to this degree by any means, but it's already been kind of going through it in his professional career since, since leaving college. And, and now to have something like this happen, you'd imagine it's probably a gas leak. And it's one of those things. that's just a freak accident um, that, that ruins a family, you know, ruins a life, wastes a life. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that he's having a really hard time. We talked to a number of the players today about that situation. They, you know, they, Derek Henry said it was kind of surreal cause it was he and, and Caleb kind of the last two guys in the building last night in the locker room, just chopping it up, talking. And then, um, just hours before Caleb finds out that he, his dad's not around anymore, really, really sad. Um, and you, you just trying to, trying to fathom hearing that news, having to deal with that as you're trying, you know, you're trying to get back healthy and like do all these things in your life that are, that seem really important. Your NFL career is on the line, but then all of that becomes so unimportant when suddenly you you have to deal with something like this. So um, really difficult situation for a, for a player that uh, I know that the Titans have their arms around right now. So just keep, keep Caleb Farley in your, in your thoughts and prayers for sure. Him and his family are, are dealing with something that, that nobody should have to deal with. A couple more Titans uh, notes here. The Titans signed veteran defensive lineman Trayvon Coley uh, yesterday. So the bottom of the barrel for the defensive line, the, that bottom line keeps churning. Keep on churning. Yep, churn and burn on the, uh, on, the, on the depth players. It's the right way to run a roster. And uh, the, 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 the uh, Coley's and Kyle Peckos of the world are going to terrorize those third string defensive fronts on Friday. So yes, uh, I, I, don't, I wouldn't imagine. I mean, he, he's a guy that uh, before an injury, I believe in his first stint with the Titans a couple of years ago was looking pretty promising former camp darling as pretty well Lipschitz points out. Um, so if he can stay healthy, maybe he, maybe he's a spark. Maybe he gets that uh, last roster spot, but I wouldn't hold your breath. Yeah. And then one final uh, little interesting note on the Titans, the, uh, the Titans this preseason have the two highest runners in terms of yards per carry after contact, minimum 14 rushes. Spears with a 5.62 yards per carry. He had a 7.57 against Minnesota. And then Julius Chestnut with a 4.45 uh, for the two games. So obviously two young running backs who are showing promise uh, through the first two weeks of the preseason. Yeah, obviously the Titans would um, not be in a great situation to have Derrick Henry go down with an injury for any amount of time this season. But if they do, the backups, the, the Titans are in very good hands with these two guys. I think that it it would look a lot like that 2021 season where Derrick Henry misses the back half of the year and the Titans running game doesn't really skip much of a beat. You lose 10, 15% of that upside at the top and you certainly lose that bell cow ability that Derrick Henry has that grading uh, ability that he has on a defense to really lean on them and, 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 and uh, make them submit to his will. But uh, those two guys are, I think really, really promising players that are going to be a nice curveball, a nice change up for the Titans offense. Should they choose to utilize them in, in a creative way? Yeah, and then the uh, moving on here to just some more general NFL news. The Jonathan Taylor saga rolls <laughs> on. We have a new chapter where the Colts um, 
are giving permission for Jonathan Taylor to seek a trade. Um, but in doing this, the Colts are seeking a first round pick or packages of picks that Hello. equates to as much in a potential Jonathan Taylor trade. Like this means nothing. <laughs> Crazy like, Uncle Jim <laughs> said running backs aren't worth anything. We're not paying you. But then Uncle Jim also said we demand first round compensation and fair market value for a trade for. So what's happening here? People were like, well, why, why are they? He, some, some folks in the media are being either intentionally or inexcus inexcusably obtuse about this, right? This is a situation where the, the Colts are allowing Jonathan Taylor to seek out a trade and laying out their very, very high trade requirements because they are very, confident they are very sure of the fact that he's not going to find a trade partner like sure go seek a trade we are fine with that because we don't intend on letting you go anywhere because we don't think you're gonna we're pretty sure you're not finding a trade out there and i'm pretty sure he's not finding a trade out there certainly not for those trade requirements of a first round pick or equal compensation so again this is all a part of the the pony show he's gonna be with the colts this year whether he's playing or not that's the question and uh, I, i'd imagine the, the the colts fans and media are super jazzed to continue to, have to talk about this. Uh, I think about a player that, that frankly, it feels like we've, we've jumped the shark a little bit. Like, I'm not sure that there's a lot of repairing to do with this relationship with him and the, in the team. And I'm not sure what kind of impact he's going to have this year, but it's going to be with the Colts. I'm pretty confident in that. Yeah. And then moving on, of course, this week and next week is a kind of week where you'll start to see some of these teams trade as they kind of bring their 53 man roster um, to final shape and right. an interesting note from Mike Renner, formerly of PFF. He says, I have no inside info here, but have to think Cardinals offensive tackle. Josh Jones is going to be elsewhere. Week one last year of his rookie deal, not slated to start. And he's at minimum a starting caliber offensive tackle. Who's looked great at both right tackle and left tackle this preseason. Um, why you should care is that maybe he is a potential trade target the next week and a half that could mm -hmm. um, fill in for MPF's absence if Chris Hubbard and Andrew Rupchich and every other single player right there is still <laughs> not uh, working out. Yeah, I mean, Rand Carthen, pick up that phone, baby. Time to time to poke and prod. See, just, you know, just kind of yeah. spitball. See what's going on out there. T check Check the market. See what's going on. Just um, call up look, uh, old Monty and Monty uh, Austin Fort, old old pal. Reminisce Monty. about uh, you know how's Je how's Jeff Swaim and uh, <laughs> Dennis Daly doing out there? You know, so. we've given you so many of our good players. Why don't? How about we make a deal? You send yeah. one our way. How about? It? <laughs> and then finally, the Baltimore Ravens NFL record of twenty four preseason game that winning gummit. streak is over after the End Commanders. Uh, defeat the Ravens 29 to 28 on a uh, last second field goal to win the game. The sweatiest, most unnecessarily intense preseason game you'll ever Fair, watch. I, so I will say, did you have you kind of followed the 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 fallout of that currently today? Oh, the, no, not um, the fallout of it. No, especially like with all of these. Um, with all the guys before the game saying they really didn't care about about the streak, <laughs> now and they like, care. And and the commanders like they're like we don't we don't care about that. We're just gonna go play. And then the commanders were just very visibly taunting the Ravens throughout <laughs> the entire game last night. Like it's no one so, believed it was, them when they said they didn't care. It, it's so like it, it's so 
just fake. It was a total lie. Like, of course, they yes. cared about trying to break it. Um, so who will start the next one? We we that will be. Uh, yet I don't to be think anybody's touching that one. baby. <laughs> I think 24 is going to hang hang a banner. And that, that one's going to stand for a good long while. Um, all right. That was producer JT with the news. Thank you, JT. And thank you to everybody that listened in live with us. We're done today. A couple things before you go. Reminder, Fantasy League. We're starting one up for the Hot Read Podcast, a 10 or a 12 person league, depending on the amount of interest. And if you want to compete, then we suggest you join the Fantasy League with JT and I. We've got a number of the um, Hot Read Apocalypse horsemen already locked in, and they, being the loyal fans of the show that they are, are getting automatic spots. But there's still plenty of spots up for grabs, and we would love for you to be a part of the uh, the, the game. So if you have any interest at all, Make sure to DM us, DM me at Easton Freeze or JT at JT underscore Runke, or even easier, DM the show on Instagram, on TikTok, or best of all, on Twitter at Hot Read Pod. DM the show at Hot Read Pod if you are interested, and we will put together that league this week and let folks know who is in and who is out. Um, we may ha- listen if we have so much interest, we may have to, you know, see who wants it the worst, see who's the most dedicated member of the hot read community but for now we're looking for as much interest as possible so make sure to reach out to us if you want to join that league this week asap you know what if you're listening to my voice do it right now if you're interested beat the other guys certainly there's a first come first serve element to this so we would love to hear from you and have you play with us this year make sure to follow us by the way at hot read pod on instagram on tiktok on twitter give us a follow for all of your show content needs as well as updates on when we're going live so you can be a part of the conversation like you were today And rate, review, and subscribe us wherever you get your podcasts on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, uh, on uh, Spotify, of course. You can rate, review, and subscribe, and that is super helpful to us. So make sure you've got all of those boxes checked. We are partnered with Zen Sportsbook this year, JT, as we get closer and closer to our degenerate gambling ways and making all kinds of money off of Vegas. We are partnering with Zen Sportsbook, the newest sportsbook option here in, in the state of Tennessee. They are fantastic, and they have put together with us a special promo code. When you sign up, that welcome code is HOTPOD, H-O-T-P-O-D. When you sign up with special welcome code HOTPOD, H-O-T-P-O-D, you're getting a 5% cash back welcome bonus for your first 15 days. That's 5% of all of your betting volume back in your pocket as a thank you from Zen Sportsbook. JT, is that 5% of all of your winnings? No, sir. You can also lose and get cash back, and if you want to bet, the Mets have taken one of three in this series against the Braves, and they're looking to take the next two. And we're back on the bandwagon, baby. Uh, so, oh yeah, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. So, maybe bet on the Mets, and if you bet win, on the Mets you... and lose, and still get your cash back. Exactly, yeah, no, I'm go. with you. Um, and then after your first 15 days, that five percent welcome bonus does not go away; it just drops down to three percent. Still, three percent cash back after that welcome 15 day period forever. You're getting three percent cash back on all your betting volume every single month deposited into your account as a thank you from Zen Sportsbook for gaming with them. So check them out, Zen Sports, uh, Zen Sportsbook, wherever you get your apps. Use code HOTPOD, H-O-T-P-O-D. That's it for us today. Appreciate everybody tuning in live with us as always. Always a pleasure to talk Titans and NFL with you guys. We'll be back live on Thursday afternoon recording our Friday morning episode. We'll be doing a lot of 53-man roster final calls, final takes, final thoughts. I'll probably lay out my tentative final roster because come Monday we will know who the final 53 man roster is and uh, we'll talk about that uh, as well on our our, uh, weekend show when we go live for the Monday recording but I want to get it in on the podcast form and live 
my final 53 on Thursday. So we'll talk that we'll review the Wednesday training camp practice. If there's anything of note from that day, and then we will talk a, a preview on the Titans Patriots preseason finale on Friday, not on Saturday this week on Friday at Nissan stadium, all of that fun stuff coming on Thursday afternoon. Until then for JT, I'm your host, Easton freeze. This has been the hot read podcast. Have a great rest of your week.